Gamecock fans, welcome home. See how it goes, uh, but we'll be ready to go. It's time to root. Let's go, Carolina! It's gone! Touchdown! What a hit! He makes it in! Can you believe it? Gamecocks have won this game! Here are your hosts, J.C. Sherbert. Oh, watch him celebrate now! Bill Molinax. My wife doesn't like hanging around losing. And Jamie Bradford. I'm going to tell you, you look like you joined the dynasty. All right, greetings and good morning. Welcome aboard and welcome home inside the Gamecocks, the show from the Sinorama Studios, live from the Sinorama Studios and built by the Barn Dominium Co. The Barndo Co. is what they're called, where you can build your dream home for as low as $160 per square foot. If that's something that's in your future, your neighbor's future, your aunt, uncle, somebody you know, they want to build a home, tell them to head to the Barn Dominium Co dot com i promise you you will be blown away by what they can do as low as 160 dollars again per square foot if you're in the carolinas georgia or in tennessee jc is going to be off today uh some work related things have kind of crept into the spotlight over the last 12 plus hours or so so we will uh we'll let him deal with that believe it or not phil and i could get you through it until 1 o'clock this afternoon, we'll be joined in 15 minutes by the great Pat DeMarco. Who wants to talk ball? Ready to talk ball? We'll talk ball. Uh, Pat DeMarco ball. is as good as talking ball as anybody. And I think you'll really, really enjoy this from an NFL guy like Pat. We'll talk about an NFL guy like Dowell Loggins and what he will be drawing up for Spencer Rattler and the rest of the Gamecock offense and much more in that conversation. So that's ahead in 15 minutes or so, and we'll talk ball uh, with Pat DeMarco. Speaking of ball, a couple of days ago, OutKick came out with a column about potentially, Phil, the Big Ten and the SEC down the road, although Greg Sankey has squashed anything and everything related to these conversations, and I totally understand that. And I'm not saying that – I'm not saying he's lying – but Greg Sankey always plays chess when everybody else plays checkers. He's been doing this for years. He's the best in the business. So if the Big Ten and the SEC are thinking down the road, you know what, maybe we're actually not done expanding, there's a couple of teams that maybe, according to OutKick, both of them, or I should say a couple of, couple of schools, a couple of schools that maybe both of them have circled. Will there be a fight for those programs? Who knows? We'll get into that a little bit later 
as well. Tonight is the NBA draft. Where will Gigi go? He's really slipped in the latest projections, and you have to wonder if taking the money and running was the best decision for him. I guess we'll find out somewhere down the road. I am nowhere near qualified enough to say whether it was or wasn't. Uh, but here's what I do know. Not too long ago, he was a potential top 10 draft pick, and he might not go in the first round. So that's a, that's a big fall from grace for the former Gamecock star, and uh, we'll get into some of that a little bit later. But we will start with baseball today because Carolina – picked up a major prospect yesterday the college world series delivered once again last night and they'll have a shot to do it again tonight and um phil starting with the south carolina related news i mentioned yesterday i thought of the three big time prospects that were on the board kennedy jones billy amick and colby shelton that kennedy jones would be the one who would overall be the most valuable if they could land him and john whittle uh, reported late yesterday afternoon that they have landed Kennedy Jones and he will be a Gamecock. And I saw a text message from Kennedy Jones to somebody that I know, and he is very fired up about it as well. So this is this is a big get. Uh, one of the names that's been forgotten about already because these All-Americans have been floating to the top of the conversation, but Austin Brindling, the kid who's coming up, from North Florida, I mean, as you take a bird's-eye view of it with the season just ending a couple of weeks ago, Phil, but projecting ahead, if everybody can stay healthy as it stands, your top four hitters in the lineup ain't moving. It's Brindling, it's Jones, it's Petri, and it's Messina. And at this point in time, I would be stunned if anybody can crack that code when they open up the 24 season. That's an outstanding—I mean, outstanding—top four hitters in your lineup. I mean, just if that doesn't induce anxiety for opposing pitchers, I don't know what will. <laughs> yeah. That's one where you actually have to think about it. It's like, oh, man, okay, well, get through the rest of the order, I guess. You got to get through those guys. So, yeah, <laughs> good luck. Yeah. Good luck. I'll tell you what, and again, you know, the door's not shut on Amick. Um, I, I think John has done some outstanding reporting on that and – you know, just to to not that he needs this because he doesn't, but to help qualify his reporting, I you know a lot of the things that I've heard are really right on par with with what John Whittle's hearing, which makes me happy. That means that I've got good sources. <laughs> you know, if you really think about it, you know Billy Amick is a guy. I mean, he's very inter interested and entertained by playing for the Gamecocks and playing for his former coach and Monty Lee. But it would also be one of those things where if if I put on a South Carolina uniform and things didn't work out and then Clemson was trying to lure me over the border to get there, I don't know that I could get through that mental block either. So I understand that. Um, I, and if he doesn't choose South Carolina, it I don't know that it's a whole lot more than I just can't play for them. I, I just can't do it. And I absolutely respect that. If he does choose the Gamecocks, Clearly, uh, he he breaks through that mental block, and it'll be um, well. Let's just say that he'll probably have three games circled next year on his calendar. You there, Phil? <laughs> Hello. Yeah, safe assumption on that one. Yeah, that he's going to have those three games circled. 
Yep, yeah, I'm here. Yeah. Are you here? Oh yeah, yeah. I was, Hello. You, yeah, I, we're good. We're good. Okay. All right. Good. Uh, but yeah, I, it's it's it really is. Uh, they've done a nice job in the portal. Did I disappear far, or something? I don't know. I got a lot going on. <laughs> oh okay. All right. Um. Yeah, we uh, they've they've done a nice job, and they'll continue to look for arms in the portal as well, including the kid from Central Connecticut State. Um, by the way, combined Austin Brindling and uh, Kennedy Jones, this is this is pretty outstanding as well, and this is what you want out of your one and two hole hitters. Combined, five hundred and twenty nine plate appearances in the twenty twenty three season. They struck out just 12% of the time combined. Uh, of their 443 official at-bats, Brindling and Jones struck out just 14% of the time. And only two total errors made by both of them combined in 266 chances last year. So... It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a great ad in, in South Carolina with still maybe some damage to be done here moving forward. So yeah, we um, can't wait to see what those guys can do, but that's the big news yesterday. Uh, Probably over the next few days or so, there will be a couple of other things drifting along. Uh, Hopefully seemingly all of it is is pretty good uh, for, for Gamecock baseball. The portal, by the way, they ha- you actually have until July the 13th to get in it. So you've, there's still plenty of time. I mean, there's still three weeks left for players to get in the portal. So there are going to be other names that come up. Uh, for those that are – I think somebody asked this question yesterday too. Uh, where, like, Just like football or basketball, is there somewhere that we can go to kind of rummage through the portal, guys who are in it and where they're going and things like that? The only one that I'm aware of, and and I would venture a guess that this is the only one that's probably probably worth a darn. You got to pay for, and it's it's via subscription with D1Baseball.com. Now they're the best, and there's right around two thousand names in the college baseball portal, um, and and they've got them all in there. But um, you're going to have to pay for a subscription with those guys if you really want access to that information. Now it's worth it. D1 Baseball is absolutely worth it. I pay for a subscription and. And um, those guys, they cover it as good as anybody, but um, but that's where you can go to kind of keep up on that if you if you really want to do it. So just figured I'd pass that along as well. Uh, in the, uh, let's see, Nanosports chat box here, uh, Carol Lucas 77 says, Jones has the potential to be the best of the big three, and that says a lot. He just said, I absolutely agree 100%. I've uh, been saying this for a while, uh, and I'm with you, man. Um, know some guys who've coached against him as well. Know guys who've recruited him. Um, he can play the outfield. Now, I, I, I wouldn't go as far as to say that he's an elite outfielder. I don't know if Carolina has one. I, Evan Stone, I guess you could probably consider to be as close to elite as, as possible of those that are on the roster. But um, but playing at Founders Park, you don't have to be an elite outfielder. You just you just have to be a good outfielder. Uh, it's not a big ballpark. And, and so, you, you know, as long as you understand how to catch and throw – Generally, I mean, South Carolina does this every year. They, I mean, they did it with Ethan Petrie. They will move a guy to the outfield and teach him how to play it through. This kid is actually an outfielder, so he knows how to do it. So he's going to be absolutely fine. Um, he can play some first as well. But um, yeah, I'm totally with you on that. He's he's going to be. He's got a chance to be really good. Uh, Clint asked, wasn't there another player that was supposed to be really good that set out this year? That is uh, Jacob Compton. 
And um, Jacob Compton's actually about to go. I think he's going to Ethiopia on a two-week mission trip. Wow. Pretty, yeah. Um, <laughs> but he's a kid who hit about 300 at Memphis with 11 or 12 home runs, and uh, they brought him in to play first base and DH, and they're really excited about him. So if he can get healthy and Casas is back, you've got a potential issue of it. you got a bunch of guys who can play first base right now, as a matter of fact. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got Carson Horning. Kennedy Jones can play first base. Ethan Petrick can play first base. Gavin Costas can play first base. And Jacob Compton can play first base. <laughs> so, if nonetheless, you know, they're going to have a first baseman yeah, that's uh, right. in 2024. Run real deep on that position. Yeah, don't worry. If he goes down, we got another one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he's um, – yeah, he's uh, – he's, he, but Jacob Compton's a guy they're really excited about, so hopefully hopefully he can get in there and, and be pretty good for him. Joey says the starting lineup could be Brindley, Kennedy Jones, Petri, Messina, Leakroy, and Casas. Yeah, and again, don't forget what we just talked about with Compton, and and they're not done. So, No. Uh-uh. It seems like yeah. this portal window is long, JB. It is. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I mean, I, well, I, I don't think football runs any long portals like this. It's, you know, but because that's our frame of reference, I guess, for portal talk, <laughs> typically is football. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, and too, like with, with, so with baseball, you know, you've got, you've got summer league, you've got the draft, and you've got the college world series, and they try to be respectful um, of all of those things, which is, which is nice. But um, yeah, it's, it's definitely a, it's definitely long, and and you just don't ever know when um you, you don't know when somebody's going to hop in. And right now, South Carolina seems to be pretty safe with guys maybe jumping in there uh, outside of the ones, of course, that are already in. So yeah, we'll see. good news for Jones kind of officially coming out yesterday and saying you know met with yeah. the new pitching coach and he's going to hang in there and stay. So that's going to be. That's good. That would have that would that would have hurt. <laughs> look, look, man i I had a conversation with someone yesterday about this, and and I and I'll just if you if you if you love baseball or if you just like South Carolina athletics, you just want to be excited about things being good. I can tell you right now, I can tell you right now, you can't put two people better together to recruit than Matt Williams and Monty Lee. You just can't do it. It that doesn't exist, not here. Those two guys will do total damage on the recruiting trail, and um, it's going to be something to watch, especially if they are able to to hang in there together and, and continue on the staff, maybe for a decent amount of time over the next. You know, Monty's going to continue to be courted. Matt Williams is going to be courted. Those things are going to happen. Um, but if they maintain their places at Carolina for the future in the future they're they're gonna they're gonna sign dudes and they're gonna be dudes like you're seeing right now in omaha and with lsu and florida and things like that they they those guys recruit lights out and they both just love being gamecocks and they know what it's all about they know what it takes to win at south carolina uh so just kind of watch and see what what happens there down the stretch uh coach mark kingston the last couple of years Literally couldn't have made two better hires to assist him on staff than Monty and Matt. But you got to have some consistency there, too, Phil. There's been a lot of turnover with assistant coaches over the last few years, and these are all really, really good guys and for various reasons. But 
it in college baseball it's it's best to maintain consistency with your assistants as best you can and hopefully they'll be able hopefully they'll be able to do that um before we head to break pat demarco coming up here in just a couple of minutes uh just uh, once again another outstanding day in college baseball yesterday and tonight should be a lot of fun lsu evened it up with wake so they both have a loss so tonight is the elimination game, and that one to head to the finals. And then Florida with a Michael Robertson defensive replacement catch at the wall to end it in the ninth, three to two over TCU. Um, You know, when they beat Carolina in the Supersville, it was my prediction then that we would see Florida in the championship series. And I thought if Carolina doesn't make it to Omaha, there's nothing to shake a stick at. They're going to probably – the best team in the country right now. And had they gotten any other draw, they they'd be in Omaha. Uh, that's that's my prediction. Can't guarantee that, but you look at the teams that have been playing out there; they belong. Sacramento belong there, but you look at Florida doing what they're doing right now. LSU is, is at least is planning to throw Paul Skeens tonight. You're probably looking at an All SEC final in those two programs. Carolina went four and four against this year. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, not not a bad record against uh, the guys playing in Omaha. That's for sure. No, I mean no, you it's... know it's just I mean it, it you hated it and you know we knew just by the seeding that it was going to come down to you know a winner take all series in that super for two teams who you know could potentially win the whole damn thing and yeah and now we're Florida is has now made that next step and they're just waiting on the opponent. And I'm with you. I think, I think LSU is going to wrap this thing up. Well, Florida's sitting in the driver's seat because if if Skeens throws tonight, the Gators of course have an extra off day and LSU's burning their guy. Yep. So, you know, if anything, I guess he could potentially come back in a game three situation, but they will not throw him in a game one or two. They can't do it. And um yeah. and so Florida Florida's just sitting there. They're ready to go. You know, they've they've thrown their three guys, they're three and oh, and guess what? They're set right back up for their rotation to come right back through and win the World Series. And um and I, I at this point in time I think Florida will win the national championship. I hope they don't of these three. I want LSU to win it. But yeah. um I think it'll be the Gators that end up winning it ultimately and they'll even up with Carolina with two national championships. It's interesting looking at these scores from Wake Forest and that they have not been able to put up the runs numbers that they have all season long here against stiffer competition. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it, well, they can beat you so many ways. Oh yeah. yeah. They just can beat you so many ways, man. And, um, so we'll see, but, uh, looking forward to watching that one seven o'clock tonight on ES. PM. All right, it is time for a timeout when we return. Pat DeMarco joins us. Who wants to talk ball? I know he does, and he's the best at it. Can't wait. We're teed up by TravelingCountryClub.com. It's the coolest golf club in the Carolinas. You want to be a part of it. Play from the mountains to the seas. TravelingCountryClub.com. Pat DeMarco up next on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. 
Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it. Let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Just as your State Farm agent combines good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates, you can combine your home, auto, life, or small business insurance with Tony Pope State Farm Insurance today. And guess what you'll get? That's right, even more good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates. In fact, Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. Once again, Tony Pope State Farm will help you mix and match perfectly. Call 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. The real estate market has changed dramatically from just a year ago. Rates, supply, demand, All of your traditional factors are in a transition phase. That's why if you or someone you know are considering making a move in the low country, contact me, JB, at Coast to Coast Realty. I work with an outstanding support cast of attorneys, lenders, inspectors, insurance agents, and more, all of whom are valuable in helping find a way for you to comfortably make your real estate decision. That's right. Call me, JB, your low country real estate broadcaster. Building your dream home is often just that, a dream and sometimes a nightmare. But at the Barndo Company, they commit to quality and build without sacrifice. Customization, open floor plans, limitless flooring options, maintenance-free and easy insulation perks, and affordability are just a few reasons why they've been named one of the best builders in the U.S. Believe in your dreams. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barndo Company. Gamecock-owned. Gamecock-operated. Traveling to cheer on the Gamecocks? Reserve your hotel stay with Fan Plans. Your booking supports inside the Gamecocks and the Big Spur, plus you still earn your hotel loyalty points. Visit fanplans.com slash inside the Gamecocks. What's up, Gamecock Nation? This is Jakar Moore from the DMV, and you are listening to the show. Welcome back, everybody, to Inside the Gamecocks, the show presented to you in the first hour by Cindy Searfoss and the Cobalt Banker Kane Realty team here in the upstate. Give Cindy a call at 864-414-5271 for your upstate residential real estate needs. And we're joined now by Pat DeMarco. Everybody loves Pat. Good to see you, man. What's going on, guys? Thanks for joining us. Yeah, What's up, man? No, not too much. Just... uh had knocked out a puppy training class and got the kids off the camp this morning and uh, excited about talking Gamecock football and Gamecock sports with y'all. All right. Well, before we get there, uh, I almost I almost had a call to make to you the other day, but the but the uh, the spot got filled. So I'm playing Country Club at Charleston tomorrow morning. Oh boy! All right, and and my partner is Smoke. Mm-hmm. He he almost backed out, 
And so I told the guy, and you know, that I'm not going to mention who it is, but you know, who probably who I'm playing with, if you think about it. Yep. And, um, and he said, well, you know, what do we do for a fourth? I said, well, he'd have a hundred miles to travel, but I got a guy, yep. but if I bring him down, he's my partner. <laughs> about a month and a half ago. That's a fun golf course. It's, um, yeah. it's challenging. the greens are challenging, but it's pretty wide open. You can kind of bang it, which is right up my alley. I'm kind of a, a Bryson DeChambeau, bang it, find it, try to get it on the green and two putt par. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Putting like yeah. a happy Gilmore. Yeah. I, um, I'm, I'm anxious to get out there. I mean, I've been out there. I covered the U S open out there in 2019 all week with ESPN, mm-hmm. but, um, but, uh, have never, I, the pad, I've never played the course and I've lived yeah. here almost my whole life. So it's, uh, uh, I mean, the, the range is a little intimidating. You, you're out there and you can kind of see the highway and, 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 and the marsh water area right there. But there's not really that much trouble on the golf course, which was um, which was nice. I think I shot 78, 78 or 79. So I, I put together a pretty good round for the first time playing. Um, the guy I played with was a really good golfer. He was a plus. Um, so he was able to kind of navigate me around the course. Um, and he beat me, of course. Well, next time we play, I'll uh, I'll call you. I, I, I didn't – this was all kind of set up by – our buddy and he said well you know i'm gonna get i'll get smoke to play i said okay that sounds good of course he's talking smoke is talking trash to me and i had to remind him i said we're on the same team yeah that's how us us athletes work (laughs) i was like dude do you ever shut up like like we're we're on the same team you just have to put up the money because i'm not but next time um next time uh i'll make sure i call you and we'll get you down here and We'll let we'll let Michael Flint drive the cart while we actually like, while us men go play golf. Yeah, well, shoot when uh, when season kicks up, I'll, I'll take you out to Wood Creek where Coach Fur used to live. That's where I joined yep. here in Columbia, and it's so redoing the greens, and it's supposed to be incredible. So when you come up for a weekend, we'll sneak out on a Friday afternoon and and go play before the Gamecocks win on Saturday. Sounds good. I'll be there Saturday. I'll call you on the way up this Saturday. Yep. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, dude. Um, we're we're getting closer. We're getting closer. Uh, finally, to the kickoff of the the twenty twenty three Carolina football season. I th- I think, you know, above all else, all the things that have become college football these days, Pat, and you know it well. You know, NIL and transfer portal and this, that, and the other. I I I want to cut through the trash and just talk ball. I think people just want to talk ball. You know, like it's, it is, as you just mentioned, Coach Spurrier, he used to always talk about talking season. Everybody has talking season. Let's talk ball during talking season. And um, I think there's a lot of people in wait and see mode uh, from an offensive standpoint because you return one of the best quarterbacks in the league, if not the country, based on the way he played at the end of the year. It's the country. And then you bring in a guy like Coach Loggins, and, and he has, just a boatload of NFL experience under his belt. And, you know, I, I don't know of every example that's out there from guys who leave the NFL and come to college football. I know you, of course, played in the NFL and understand the NFL systems. So what is it that's important for for an NFL offensive coordinator like Coach Loggins? I mean, I know he was at Arkansas last year, but now coming here and designing a, a collegiate offense, what's important to make sure that that's something that's going to work for these guys? Yeah, I mean, it is a little different game um, 
right, when, when it comes to the RPO action and guys being able to go downfield and be more aggressive in the run blocking schemes. Like there are there are more advantageous rules to the college game than there are in the NFL game. You can only be two yards down the field kind of in, in the NFL game. I think they give you a little bit of big of a buffer in um, in the college game. So I, I think there's going to be a lot of that. I think there's, um, you know, also the hashes are different. The numbers are different, but the field is kind of, in, in, in a sense, shrunk a little bit because the hashes are wider, kind of doesn't give you quite as much space. So um, there's just different ways to kind of move the ball down the field. and. Um, you know, in the NFL, you have a bunch of first or second round receivers out there running routes. Um, you know, it's, it's a different game at that level. They're very detailed. They're very concise. And I know that's a lot of stuff that we, we've been training the guys even through Sats offense last year and, and, and now moving forward with Dallas this year. But it, it, it's it's pretty easy to spit the ball on the edge and make a guy miss and just take it for 15, 20 instead of having to throw an 18-yard dig over the linebacker with the safety coming downhill. Um, there's a lot of efficient ways to make easy throws and catches and get the balls to your best players in space and let them do what they're supposed to do. So, um, you know, I, I, I joke around, but when I was on my official visit here with Coach Spurrier, he was talking about um, he was talking about Blake Mitchell, and he was like, you know, Blake's a, Blake's a pretty good player. Um, you know, I, I think the best thing he's good at is, is finding out where number four is, and that was Sidney Rice. Because so he just – Kind of understood, know the play, know my one, two, and three. Where my, where's my check down? But if all else fails, where's the heck my best player? Let's get him the ball. So, um, I mean, we got a lot of playmakers this year on offense. You, you, you think of it, you think you got Juice returning, you get Trey Knox coming in, Josh Simon, you got um, Xavier Leggett who came on strong towards the end of the year. Um, you got AB, a speed guy in the slot. You got the carry on uh, joiner that's played. He's played receiver, played running back, played quarterback. The dude has done just about everything. So you got a bunch of weapons to go out there and, and spread that field and get your athletes the ball in space. You you mentioned a lot of stuff in there that I, that is <laughs> just real. No, it's no. I mean that good. Um, like that's really interesting because I want to get to the players and and how they will kind of you know work their way into this and and the best players and stuff like that. I've got some analogies to use on that, but. You did say something about the the hashes, and when when Coach Loggins was was hired here, um, he mentioned that in his opening press conference about how the the hashes are wider than they are in the NFL. And I've been around a long time, and I had never one time, not once, have I ever heard a coach in college football talk about that in a press conference, just. Like you, you, you hit on some of it, but if you can take us a little bit deeper, exactly what that means for a guy who's designing an offense and using space to do so. Yeah, I mean the numbers. I, I want to say in the, in the NFL, the numbers are eight or nine yards from the sideline. I think it's pretty similar in college, maybe one or two yards further. But the hashes in the NFL are tight. Like it's tight quarters. They they don't they don't really want, they want the box to be the box. And when it comes to, to college, the dashes are a little wider. And that, in that essence, you can kind of have your tight end detached. You can kind of manipulate the box and get yourself better numbers. And, I mean, Dow's been, you know, he's been in, in the NFL, I think, for 10-plus years, maybe 15-plus years, and, and then obviously went to Arkansas and, and learned under Bryles and, and kind of learned the essence or helped solidify the essence of that RPO offense and different things you can do with a quarterback run game. I mean, that's – this is all – 
relatively coming back. I mean, you had the Michael Vick and you had these, this era where it was uh, Tim Couch or whoever the guy at uh, Nebraska was. But kind of having a, a dual threat quarterback nowadays is kind of like a must. Um, I mean, it adds an extra – you have to account for an extra person in the box. That's that's an extra hole to fill. That's an extra hat down there. So um, you can get numbers that way. And, I mean, Spencer can run, but – I mean, going back to the hashes, like there's just ways to manipulate the box and get yourself numbers. I mean, if you just line up in a three-by-one set and and the nickel doesn't kind of creep down and, and plays out there head up on the slot, then you only got six guys in the box. And with a tight end, you got six guys to block them. Uh, unless the safety comes down. And the safety comes down, then you get one-on-one on the backside with your ex receiver. So, I mean, there, it's a numbers game. Football's it, it gets over overcomplicated sometimes, but it is, football's math. It's where's my best odds? If if it's a, if I have six to block their six, let's run the ball. If they got seven, let's not run the ball. Let's spit it on the edge and let my receiver take on the first guy at seven or eight yards. And if it's if it all counts, if there's seven guys in the box and they got a safety over the top and they can account for the three by one set, then my ex receiver is one on one, and he's generally my best player. That was our Alshon Jeffrey. That was Sidney Rice. Those were those type of guys that I mean, if you're the primary ex receiver, you got to go win. And that's your job. So, I mean, we had that guy in Julio Jones, and I, I could tell you every time Kyle Shanahan could manipulate the box and get one-on-one with Julio Jones, you know who's getting the ball? Julio Jones. <laughs> well, and, and like, and we, yeah, I mean, you mentioned all the guys at Carolina. I mean, Coach Spurrier was so good at doing that. And and one of the things, to, to dumb this down a little bit to the, to the average fan like myself or anybody else out there, there's a reason why people play fantasy football, right, Pat? Because – all the stars in the NFL are in fantasy football and you plug these guys on on Sunday and you're plugging them in because they're going to have big games and, mm-hmm. and you always want to get this guy in your fantasy draft and yada, 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 because you know, at the end of the year, they're going to have 1500 yards receiving and 17 touchdowns in the whole nine yards. So what I'm, what I'm getting at here is the NFL mindset of an offensive coordinator, again, like coach Loggins is what you just said. Where are my best players? And let's find a way to get them the football. So what I'm envisioning here, and you just mentioned a ton of the guys, um, Nick Harbour's coming in as well, you know, and we'll, we'll throw him into the mix. But what I'm envisioning here is that Dow Loggins in preseason practice is going to, although he'll have an offensive system, he'll, he'll figure out who his best players are, and he'll whittle that thing down to make sure that they're the ones that have the ball in their hands the most. Right, proceed. I mean, kind of keep it simple, stupid. The old, the yeah. old kiss algorithm. It's, I mean, it works. Um, and yeah, I think he's he's going to tinker with things, obviously, to find out where guys will succeed the most. Like, you know, it doesn't mean that you know AB's as fast as as fast as they come. That doesn't mean he's the best at doing this or doing that. Let's find what he's best at, and then work on his deficiencies so we can bring them up to par. That way, he can have more of a uh, more of a plethora of stuff he can do. Um, so, I mean, yeah, he's, he's going to tinker and he's going to work, but he's going to find the ways to put the guys in the best situations to win. All right. Adding on to that. And, and I want to make sure I'm careful about this conversation. Cause I, 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 I don't like, uh, I don't want to throw people to the wolves or anything like that ever, but c- can you a little bit compare and contrast to what we have seen? the last couple of years um of course you know not not trying to make this a negative conversation yeah. but it just felt like we, we were 
I don't really know that they knew what they were doing for a lot of the last couple of years, to be honest with you. I don't think they, I think it was just more of a mixed bag of what was going on out there. And one of the things halfway through the year last year that I kept scratching my head on Flint. And I talked about this every week when he would call me at 10 o'clock after a bottle mm-hmm. of wine. And I would say, I just don't understand. We know who our best players are, or mm-hmm. they know who their best players are. It's very simple. I watched Juice Wells take two steps to start the season. You knew he was the best receiver on the yeah. team. Why are they not giving the ball to their best players? And I just couldn't figure that out. So can you compare and contrast what you just described is what more than likely we're going to see versus what we have seen the last couple of years? Yeah, I think it all comes down to like who you are and who you want to be. So like kind of your your identity, like playing playing for Kyle Shanahan, like we were a wide zone team and we were going to be a wide zone team and you were going to have to stop the wide zone. If you're able to stop the wide zone, then we were going to run play paths off of it. And then if you had an extra guy down in the box, okay, cool. We'll run keeper game out the back door. And your backside defensive end squeezing too hard. The quarterback's going to keep it out the backside, and they're going to have Julio Jones run the scot-free pass to safety who's thinking it's a run. So, I mean, that was our identity, especially when I was in Atlanta. And I think the the, the thing that we've had over the last two years was not having a true offensive identity. We would It would be very gimmicky and game planning week by week, um, which there's a time and a place for that. Like, you, you can't go beat. Georgia all the time or these other superstar teams just doing the same stuff that you run week in, week out. Um, so I, but I do think that Dow will have more of an identity um, in what, whether that is strictly RPO, whether that's tight zone, whether that's duo, whether that's wide zone, or if it's a plethora of all of it, like you just have to get, what, what is it the saying? If, if you do something 5,000 times, you become an expert at it or a million times, whatever the, the number is, but you just have to repeat and repeat, um, and, and do it at a high level. My, my running backs coach, um, uh, what was his name? Uh, Bobby Turner, when I was in Atlanta, he's been in the NFL for 40 years. He coached Terrell Davis. He's coached so many pro bowlers. But he he would always repeat, is you are you are what you repeatedly do. So if, if you go there and you become an incredible duo team, which is basically looks just like tight zone duo, there's a million arguments saying it's the same thing, but it's blocked a little differently. Um but if you say you're going to be a duo team, then you got to practice that a million times. You have to do that so much in training camp. You have to do so much on routes on air. You have to watch it all the time in your individual meetings. You have to install it every single week because there's going to be different fronts. There's going to be different movement. There's going to be different fits. So you can't just, you know, install something and just be like, hey, we're running duo again to the right. And they're like, well, I got a three technique or I got a two eye or, hey, the, the defensive ends and a six technique last week he was in a seven. Like, how do I – how does this change my ending marks? You have to walk through that. You have to study it. You have to be a pro. And that's the way that college football is turning is the models not – I mean, players are in there a lot more than, than we used to when I was there. Like kind of living it now over the last two years, like these players are in there studying or in there doing extra meeting time. When I was in college, man, we worked out and we got the heck out of here. Now they're coming up and they're watching an hour they kind of on their own. So it's, it's becoming the NFL model, which – is I think why the product's been so much better on the field, kind of all across the board. <laughs> Phil, it's like we mentioned yesterday. Uh, I, I, Pat, I said we were on the on the show yesterday. I said, you know, if you're having a rough day or a rough week or a rough year, or you know, your wife's thrown divorce at you or something like that, just just go to YouTube, go to the Big Spur YouTube page, and just pull up all the old Coach Spurrier interviews, and you'll no. you'll feel better quickly because there no. was. You know, somebody asked him a question. One, I think it was Phil Cornblue at one point in time, something about, 
coaches who spend a hundred hours a week and and he just laughed he's like what <laughs> no you know i think we're not gonna do all that you know we just come out here and let's do what we need to do and be good at it and we'll go home and we'll come back do it next day you know well the problem um, is if you start looking for the perfect look and you start studying these you know this team ran this defense four times this year of the 400 plays and you're like but we have the one play that's going to score every time they run that you're chasing ghosts yeah. and you're sitting there and you're praying praying to God that they've run it four times in seven games. Are they going to run it once it gets us? And is it going to be the perfect timing where we can shift to the formation, get the play executed before the time clock runs off? Like there's so much stuff and you just, you start chasing ghosts and that's kind of like get, get good at what you want to be really good at, become a master at it and just go kick butt. Yeah, I, and I, exactly. And I was, I was going to let you say this the way you want to say it because so. Some people will look at it and go, wow, this team has 100 plays in their playbook. Man, that's that's incredible, man. They've got 100 plays. It must be a bunch of mad scientists over there. Is it better to have 100 plays in your playbook, or is it better to have 20 plays in your playbook that you're just really freaking good at doing? Well, I think you can have 100 plays that are that are really just off of 30 or 40. Like okay. You can have the same play, but you can manipulate the formation a little bit, or you can detach the tight end just to give the defense something to think about. That was one of the masters of what Kyle Shanahan was good at, was he would move people around and bump people starting this set. Like I remember like I, we lined up in empty a lot, and I was on the field a lot in empty. And like first couple times I lined up there, I'm like, what in the world is this man thinking I could do? I'm, I'm, does he want me to run past this cornerback? Well, I'm about a half second slower than him, so it ain't going to happen. But we were jazzing back to the backfield. We were manipulating the box. We were getting them to line up in certain – we knew when we started an empty, they were only in three different coverages they got to. So, boom, we start an empty, we get back to the backfield, and they're automatically checking to this or checking to that, and we're like, cool, we got you. We know where the numbers are going to be. We got the perfect play for it. So, I mean, there's there's a lot of ways to manipulate it, but it's kind of going down and just – like you can do – you can run – Tight zone, you can run six different RPOs off it, which doesn't change the blocking scheme at all by the offensive line, but it changes who's catching the bubble screen. What's number one doing? What's number two doing? Is the tight end arcing? Like, but their core, the five offensive linemen are blocking it the same way all the time. The running backs running the same track. So there's just little tags, this and that, where it's the same play, but there's, there's small tags. But that's you, – you have to be a pro. You have to study that stuff. You have to be a master at it. I mean, I remember – um, when when I was – I keep reverting back to Atlanta, but just because that scheme was so good. And, and, and Dow is very familiar with that stuff. And I, I know he, he he coached with Kyle Shanahan, and we've had several conversations about that stuff. But, I mean, I remember I was on the bus. We were, uh, we were out in Denver. We got there a day early. So we got there on Friday night, and we went to do our walkthrough Saturday. And as we're going to do the walkthrough, Matt Schaub and Matt Ryan are sitting there, uh, sitting next to each other on the bus, and they're quizzing each other. And – Matt Schaub's like, um, hey, Ice, tell me the 12 plays we have out of duo right formation this week. And he's like, bang, 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 just reeling them off. And he's like, all right, let's talk about triple. What we got out of triple this week? And just reeling them off. And I'm like, I'm like, good thing I don't have to play. I'm playing in only like two or three sets because I just have to remember like the F position and, and four different formations. That's about it. He's knowing – Everything, but that's that's what it comes down to, and I think that's going to be huge growth for Spencer Rattler this year. Having a guy like Dow in there who's who's dissecting defenses, who's telling him what to look at. Like 
hey, last year, what were you looking at? He's like, well, I just, you know, I saw the safety down. I thought it was covered two before, so I was just automatically going to go here. And he's like, yeah, but, hey, like if you pick the backside defensive end, you can see he's kind of light. He might be dropping. That means they're going to go buzz three. So, like, different little things like this that Dow's going to be able to pick up on and just, like, boom. And Spencer's going to get it because Spencer's a really smart kid who's, who's developed so much last year and grew so much last year. I'm I'm fired up to see what he can do this year because, I mean, the arm talent's there. Um, and the processing really came along last year a lot, and I think it's going to grow a lot with Coach Loggins. Specifically to this team, and that's pretty outstanding stuff there, Pat, specifically to this team to kind of bring all of what we've discussed, make it real with the guys who are going to put the uniforms on. We'll get to the running backs here in just a second. We know what's at wide receiver, and it is a great group. And you just mentioned Spencer <clears throat> and – He's a hell of a leader, and he's a hell of a football player. Up front, the offensive line loses some some pieces from last year. They certainly bring a bunch of pieces back as well. But in schemes like this, knowing that the guys that we have, I, I don't I don't know how recently you've seen some of these dudes, but but how do they? What is their role in this style of offense under Dowell Loggins? And then we'll connect that in just a minute to Spencer. And then we'll, of course, connect it to the backfield as well. Yeah, I mean, up front, like, you you, you have to be a dog. You have to be a road grader. Um, and I think Dow's really going to bring that along because he's, you know, the identity of an offense kind of comes down to what you can do in four-minute offense. That means, hey, you got to leave. There's four minutes to go. You got the ball. Let's try to run the clock. I don't give it back to the other team. And having the identity that you can just go ahead and shove it up somebody's, you know what, and being able to run the ball and then not being able to stop you. Like that's the type of identity that sets up everything else. And I know Dal and I know kind of how, how his mind works from wanting to run the ball because running the ball and, and knowing what you're going to get, having to get an extra hat down in the box to, to even consider stopping the run game is just going to open up everything on the back end. So, I mean, I think he, he's going to ask the offensive line to come off and be physical, but I also, you know, with coach Teasley, coach Adkins, I mean, we got some really good offensive line coaches there. I think that, this offensive line, I mean, you, you lost Dylan Wanham, you lost um, Javon Gwynn, you lost Eric Douglas, but uh, Rashawn Lee and Nick Gorgilio and all these guys, like they've played a decent amount of ball. They've played a lot of ball, and they've been itching for leadership roles. So they're going to jump in and take it full speed ahead. And, and they're a bunch of really smart kids. I remember watching Rashawn when he was, you know, he played some guard for us. He was the backup center, but he, like, he owned that center role. We went twos. Like, he would be starting left guard, but we went twos. He'd go back to center. So he's still making the calls, and the guy is just a grinder. So um, I don't think we're going to miss too much up there, but I, I know Dow's going to want them to be physical and fire off the ball and hit people in the mouth because um, he knows that that's going to, especially in this league, you got a bunch of the defensive line, linebackers, you get a bunch of studs up there. So he's going to know we got to impose our will and kind of hit these guys in the mouth, and that's just going to set up all the other fun stuff you can do on the outside. Vershawn Lee can put some freaking chicken wings down too. My yes, God. he can. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that was that was impressive, and those things were pretty hot. And it didn't yeah. if it burned him, he didn't show it. I mean, that's maybe that's part of the new training regimen for Gamecock football. Um, okay, that's powering so, through adversity is what that is. Like, you yeah, want to see that? You want to see that in a guy? He, he wanna... didn't even sweat, man. I, I think at one point in time, Xavier Leggett had to pull the bone out of his mouth. He was like, "You don't have to eat that part. You, yeah. can, you, you can just, do the, just do the meat." Um, all right, Pat. So to the running back spot, and, and you know, obviously, fans they follow recruiting and all these things, and they get all 
hopped up on the fact that they haven't been able to land a guy out of the portal outside of Mario and 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 not sure what the future looks like. I mean, they're going to get running backs, but um, but the group that they have now is the group that they have now, and that's who's going to play running back this year. And I'm probably one of the few people, if you have this conversation, that says they're they're going to be as good as the guys are up front. I, yeah. I but in the NFL, uh, every year when I watch, I see a name or ten names that I've never heard of in my life. Yeah. Running backs who've come from Dartmouth and and the you know North Dakota technology school for elephants and and just all these strange places that I, and I'm like who is this guy and why is he running for a thousand yards in the NFL and then it all of a sudden clicks you know he's got certain intangibles and they've got freaking animals on the offensive line they got a smart guy that's calling plays and they got a hell of a quarterback um does does Carolina have enough of that in place for the group of running backs that they have on campus right now and you're you were technically a running back. What are your impressions of these guys? Yeah, I mean, I think you got a tough group. I mean, that's one thing that I can say watching spring ball. Um, I mean, Juju McDowell might be 175 pounds soaking wet, um, but the kid runs like he's 210, um, and, and and that's something you love about him. Like he's, you know, you got a defensive end coming off a block and the and the safety sitting in the hole too, and he's. He's not blinking his eye. He's going to drop his shoulder right into him and, and, and go and deliver the blow. So, I mean, I think between Mario, who actually really impressed me, like he is he is very subtle, very patient. Very, He's a smart football player. You can tell he's played a bunch. And, and yes, Leonard Newberry, yes. Like Newberry, there is some good talent. They play against some good guys there. But it was able to translate because he was so patient. And he understood the scheme and how to run these certain plays, how to run tight zone, how to run duo. How to stick my foot in the ground and get vertical. Don't try to do too much. Um, so I mean, I, I think it's it, the room's plenty. I mean, I, I'm I'm really excited to see DJ Braswell too, man. He could definitely take the top off with his track speed. So between um, you know DK Juju Mario um, DJ Braswell, I mean, there's I think we got enough in that room. And, and one thing that we that we preached, I mean, this is everywhere I've been, in, but it's kind of an NFL thing is. Is hey the, the offensive line? If the offensive line blocks it for for eight, it's the back's duty to gain ten. You better gain two yards for what the line blocks it for. So if they block it for six, you better get eight. Now if they block it for three, and you act like an idiot and you try to jump out the back door and try to make the backside defensive end and you circle the wagons and you lose eight, your butt's coming to the sideline. Um, and 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 I know just efficiency and skipping the ball forward, continually moving it forward is going to be something that Dow's really going to be tied in because there's going to be those that you just pop. I mean, I remember playing with Devontae Freeman and Sean McCoy, and these guys wanted to score every single play. So we're halfway through the first quarter, middle of the second quarter, and, you know, they have eight eight carries for 29 yards, and they're like, man, like, I ain't popped one yet. You know, like, when's this big one coming? I'm like, bro, you only got eight carries. Like, if you get 20, if you can pop one or two for 20-plus, like, just do the math. There's 40 in itself, and then all the other four or five-yard runs you're doing, like, we're north of 100. Um, but I mean, but that's why you got to love guys like that because they want to score every single play, but you got to play within the play. And I mean, Sat would call it skipping a rock is just kind of taking, taking what's there and then just knifing forward, just knifing forward. Cause problem is, is when backs get too creative or really anybody gets too creative 
and, and you try to do too much, you just make a bad play worse. And you make a bad play worse, just bad stuff happens. You fumble, you um, you 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 cut out the back door, and the, the tackle thinks he's blocking the guy there, and the guy tries to disengage, and you get a 10-yard holding penalty, and then you're behind the stick. So kind of playing within the play, I think, is something that uh, they're going to do this year, and I think that running back room is a smart enough room, a tough enough room. And, and Monterio Hardesty played in the NFL. Like, he's a really sharp dude. I really enjoyed my time with him. And I think he he's really developed those guys from a skill set standpoint. And now I think kind of combined with Coach Loggins and, and the schematic stuff that they're going to be doing, he's really going to showcase those guys. Do you think that this is a group that will collectively um... – that will, as the season goes on, continue to kind of um, collectively handle the the load? Or do you think that there's a guy in this group, and you don't have to name names, it's just, yeah. just, a, just a personal thought, uh, that, that might start to maybe emerge as the season kind of gets going and take control of it and kind of be the primary, primary running back? Well, I think you go into it knowing who you want your guys to be, but then – as time plays, I mean, a lot of these guys. A lot of these guys. I mean, this is a new offense. This is this is new stuff that they're doing, and, and you have some new pieces. So I, I think you go you, you go into it with the guys that you know have been there, done that, and you can trust. I think trust is a is probably the biggest the biggest thing when it comes to football in that position. It's kind of trust you to go do what I'm asking you to do. So I mean, you got guys like DK Joiner, um, Mario Addison, and Juju that have all played a lot of ball. So I think you can go out and trust them, and then you got to run with the hot hand. Like, um, you know, I mean, D- DK's done so much from a blocking standpoint on the edge to covering kickoffs to playing quarterback to to catching fake punts and scoring touchdowns. The guy is just a ball player. So I just I envision him kind of being the bell cow um, until somebody else kind of gets hot and and then kind of ride that wave. I mean, I think there's it, the the way the running back room has worked in the NFL and even in college over the last couple of years, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's by committee. Like you're, you're not going to ask Juju McDowell to do the same stuff that you're asking Mario Addison to do, or, or these guys, granted they can, but let's, what's their best skill set? This goes back to Dow. Like what I'm going to do what's best for my players. Yeah. Um, and, he, and he's going to do that and he's going to manipulate boxes and he's going to put these guys in positions to succeed because that's how, that, that's how you get explosive plays. And, and that's the name of the game. I mean, there's, you know, if you can, if you can have eight explosive plays in a game, your your uh, probability of winning goes up exponentially. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's really hard to gain four or five yards every single play and drive drive down and be efficient and score every drive. But if you pop one for thirty and you start at the twenty five, all right, now I'm at the plus forty five, then you're like, okay, ten or twelve yards and we're in field goal range, and then we'll kind of then we know what the defense is going to do because their package is limited when they get in the red zone or high red. Then we can kind of manipulate. We can get them in the looks we want to. So, I, I, yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's 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 math. It's um, it's it's really not that hard of a game, but it's about getting the balls to your player in space, um, and just letting them go do what they're really good at. Is there enough crossover talent wise, Pat, in that in that running back room to where you're not going to be tipping your hat as to what kind of run play might be coming with the personnel on the field. I think, you know, the, the limited depth back there, that's one issue. I think some people are going to have looking at it. It's like, Oh, we're running him out there. We know we've got a limited number of plays he can do. 
because we're playing, you're calling everything for the personnel, which I think is a you know a novel idea <laughs> that we don't necessarily haven't seen in the past here a couple of years. But you know, is there enough crossover between talent between the guys? Yeah, I mean, you saw the bowl game like Juju McDowell, who's like I said, not the biggest guy in the world, but he he was he was the bell cow, he was the every down back in that game, and yeah, and and you can trust him to do that. He was efficient. He, he had a had a really good game that game. And so you ask him to do that so everybody knows he can do it. It's not like every time Juju's in the game, we're going to throw him a bubble screen. Every time he's doing it, we're going to run wide zone because you have to keep the defense on their heels. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it was funny. I'm getting off topic here, but I was down in – actually down in Charleston. I was neck of the woods, and I played Greg Olson's charity golf event two weeks ago, and Luke Keekley was down there. And he came up to me, and he's like, he's like, boy, I'm glad we don't have to hit each other anymore. And I'm like, yeah, no doubt, man. Um, <laughs> and – and, and he referenced the play uh, 2013 or 2014 when I got the best of him. I mean, he had the best of me plenty of times too, but he's like, yeah, you guys were, you guys were in slot. And, you know, after all my studying, I, I knew you guys only had two plays to do, but you guys ran something completely different on this side. But as I was able to scrape over the top and he's like, your guard kicked out here and yours there. And I was like, dude, how do you remember that? I'm like, I just remember you scraped over the top. I had the safety. He was still at 12 yards. I peeked inside, saw you scraping over the top. And I think he thought that I didn't see him, and I saw him, and I was able to drop my shoulder and, and, and take it to him a little bit. But I'm just like, you can only do X amount of things. But he was the type of guy that was so tuned in and was so, whether it be splits, whether it be stances, whether it be formation. But he was one of those guys that was like calling out plays I mean, we're in a basic I formation set, and he's like, hey, wide zone left, wide zone left. And I'm like, I mean, I go after the game, and I, like, grab my playbook, and I'm skipping through, and I'm like, we have 30 plays at I formation, standard split, standard this or that. I'm like, how in the world does this guy know the one play we're running? Like, it's not like, we don't, it's not like we're in this super formation where we only do two or three things. We're in, like, a base set, and he's calling out 50% of the plays. But that's because he, he was so tuned in. He studied so much. He was he was a student of the game. But I don't think, going back to all this, I don't think that we're going to be handcuffed into we can only do certain things with certain guys. I think we'll, the whole playbook will be open for every single guy. I do think that some guys will be better at doing certain things, but you can't show your hand and only put Juju out there to do this or only tell DK he's going to run between the tackles or only tell um, – you know, if you have two third down backs, here's my route running third down back and here's my protection third down back. No, those guys have to be able to do everything. Yeah, it's a, a lot will seemingly rest on the shoulders of Coach Loggins as the offensive coordinator. And, and I mean, Pat, from the, the digging I've done, it people in that building are pretty happy with what he's brought to the table. I know he's spending the summer trying to kind of get it all straightened out. So when August hits, they'll, they'll know what they're doing. Oh, man. And, uh, We're in good hands with Dow. He's um yeah. he's a pro. He's he's good people. He's he's about all the right stuff. Um, and I, and I've become friendly with him over over the last couple of months too. And 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 he's got my full trust. So I'm excited to see the product that he puts out there. And and it's it's going to be good. Um, and and you know a lot of it's going to be on the players making the plays. And and that's the beauty. And is you're trusting an 18 to 21, 22 year old kid to do something that I know what he's going to do. He's going to practice it a boatload. They're, we're not going to be asked to go out there and do something they practice twice. Like that's just, that, that's a, that's a recipe for disaster. Um, so I, I definitely think that we're, we're going to be 
very fine-tuned and well-versed, well-practiced to go out there and have an identity and to go out there and, you know, hit people in the mouth and then have them be honest, putting a safety down in the box and be able to throw the ball over their heads. You you mean to tell me we've done some things that we only practiced a handful of times in the past? No way. All right, that's enough. Well, uh, that's I didn't say it, I've, heard, I've heard it before. Yeah, I've heard that. Before. <laughs> yeah, that's I've heard that somewhere before. <laughs> Pat, we'll let you run on that note. I know you got to go be dad uh, for the rest of the afternoon, but um, I'll uh, I'll send you a shot for my closest to the pin competition while I'm out at the country club tomorrow. And All right. uh, hopefully you're on the green. <laughs> I I meant the pin on the uh, on the hole yeah. that's coming this way. Closest from the pin on the driving range, whichever yeah. pin it goes towards. What, yeah, on yeah, Google but, you can drop a pin wherever you want to, JP, and you can just yeah. be like, "Hey, look, that's where I said I was going to hit it right closest, there." Closest to the pin, man. Yeah, but that's the fifteenth. What's your point? You're on the fourteenth. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah I mean, I'll finish with this. I'm super excited about what Gamecock football is about. Shane Beamer's done a great job of building the culture, building the team. He has incredible coaches in place to go out there that that he trusts and he knows is, is, are going to go get the job done. So it's um, you know, we've been on the up and up, and I and I only expect for it to continue to get better. I'm with you. Uh, there's no doubt, and not many people out there know know what they're talking about better than you. We'll we'll get you back here really, really soon, and uh, maybe we'll flip it to the other side of the of the field and talk a little defense if you know anything about that. Probably don't know much, but hey, I, pl- I played two weeks of defensive end my freshman year when I was here. <laughs> <laughs> I always forget that that didn't work out very well. Well, I, I mean, well, I mean that that one was crazy because it was. I mean, we had Eric Norwood, who was an all three time All American or two time All American. Nobody Cliff. to back, yeah, but we had nobody to back him up my freshman year. It was just, yeah. I mean, yeah. Cliff was playing the other side, so I was sitting there, and I mean, they poached me from offense, like, oh, you played some defensive end in high school. Would you mind coming over here? So I was Norwood's backup defensive end, and then Leonard Stafford, the starting fullback, got hurt, and they're like. Scratch that. You're back. <laughs> Come on over here, Dolphins. <laughs> all right. So well, I didn't turn too many heads on defense, I imagine. Well, it all worked out. We we were we saw um, – when was it, Phil? Was it last week when we were – we had a couple of his plays that were in here, the touchdown against Ole Miss. Yeah. And, yeah. And you, you had my, my, my four career highlights in South Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, we didn't have the uh, Kentucky touchdown in there. Ooh, that was think. my freshman year. That was a good one. Yeah. We had the mm-hmm. Ole Miss one, um, and we had uh, something in there from – you were in a few of them. It, but it was after the schedule release because LSU hasn't been here since 08, which was mm-hmm. your sophomore year. Yeah. And um, so there were some we, – we were kind of going back and looking through some stuff and showing it on the screen. You were in a highlight there. You were in a highlight the last time that Ole Miss was in town, which was the that 09 season. Yeah, when Sandstorm broke, we out. were number seven there, number four or whatever. I mean, it was that was a top ten matchup. Yep, and then they were. I think I, I scored the only offensive touchdown, didn't I? I mean, I think um, yeah, Norwood yeah. scored two himself. <laughs> it was <laughs> well, the score was sixteen to ten, and you scored seven, ten, thirty. Yeah, there was three field goals, and the and the, that's it. And yeah, that touchdown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you had that little. Yeah, and then yeah, uh, see if you're an inside ball on a flat route. I'm like, dude, just paint my outside shoulder, and I can walk in. It throws me inside. I have to flip my hips, catch it, and I'm not fast enough to run away from people, as you guys know. So the safety comes downhill, and I have to, like, drop my shoulder and get over the top of them. But thankfully, I was able to get in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that was – that was man, those were fun days, man. Those were fun days. Uh, so, 
Can't wait to get you back here soon. I'll catch up with you here shortly, and um, and we'll fuss and discuss. Give Kirsten a hug for me, and, and then all the best to your kids, my man. Sounds good. Hit him good tomorrow. Yeah, I'll, I'll do my with smoke yapping in my ear. I, it, just don't hit yeah. them often. Only, only hit it like 80-something times. No more than 80, okay? Yeah. No, I, I, I told Smokey, I said, hey, look, man, I've been struggling with the driver. I'm thinking about just going seven off the tee box all, all day. He goes, <laughs> he, he looked at me, he goes, are you kidding me? I was like, no, you, you, well, if, if you do that with me, I'd make you play from the women's tees. Go <laughs> <laughs> hey, put your skirt on and go play from the tees up there, okay? <laughs> all right, man. Thank you, buddy. See y'all. Appreciate you. There you go. Pat DeMarco, former uh, Gamecock and NFL stud. And, um, and he is, uh, he's, he's good. He's something good. Mm -hmm. All right. We got to hit a uh, break. So (laughs) don't go anywhere. We'll inside the Gamecocks show. Be right back. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want. If you're looking for a karaoke partner, I can tell you, I can't carry a tune in a bucket. But what I do have is a very specific set of skills. Hang up now, and your IT nightmares will continue. But stay on the line, and I will find you. And when I find you, I will fix it. Um, thanks. Uh, I think I have the wrong number. I'm trying to call Matt at Heritage Digital. He has a one price, low cost turnkey solution for all my IT needs. And I'm sick and tired of my IT guy. So yeah, 843-699-1001. This is 1002. Oh, well, thanks anyway. Don't be taken by some IT dude that talks a big game. Give Matt at Heritage Digital a call, 843-699-1001. Golfers and wannabe golfers, former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor is now a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina. In-person golf lessons are held at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course nine or 18 holes. And if you're outside of South Carolina, Meredith conducts virtual lessons. Just send in your golf swing for analysis. Gift cards are available for in-person one-hour lessons. Connect on Twitter at Mayor Taylor and find her online at McKellarEnterprises.org. Her email is on the website. Schedule your next lesson today with Meredith Taylor, former Gamecock golfer. Hey Gamecock fans, it's Evan Stowe from Gamecock Baseball. A couple of painters paint the show Garnet and Black every day and get the job done right at a fair cost. Go to LetMePaintSomething.com for information and an estimate. Go Cox! You heard Evan Stone Gamecock fans 10% off for military repeat customers or mention the show. Interior, exterior painting, fencing, cabinet staining, concrete painting, popcorn ceiling removal, and more. 803-522-6832. LetMePaintSomething.com What's up, Gamecock fans? This is Pitcher Noah Hall. If you want some delicious food for your event, I suggest visiting nanasports.com today to find out what they all have to offer. It's really good southern cuisine based out of Charlotte, my hometown. I hope you guys go check it out. Go Cox and go Nanas. Are you looking to buy a new home? Kevin O'Connell with Union Home Mortgage is a local mortgage expert and Gamecocks fan servicing North and South Carolina. Whether you're buying a home, building your dream home with new construction, or turning your equity into cash, UHM's world-class service will ensure you find the perfect mortgage to achieve your home ownership goals. Call Kevin at 803-906-0244 or visit UHM.com today. Union Home Mortgage is an equal housing lender. 
NMLS 2229, LONMLS 1772182. Electric Bikes of Charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels. The home of Oventon, Velotric, Magnum Bikes, and more, they sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service after the sale. Their electric bikes are equipped with five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle so you can ride longer, handle the heat better, but still get great exercise. Bikes are available for all ages and sizes. Visit electricbikescharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant if you're in the low country. Electric Bikes of Charleston, powering inside the Gamecocks, the show. Hey everyone, this is Jack Mahoney from Gamecock Baseball and inside the Gamecocks, the show is teed up every day by TravelingCountryClub.com. So if you all love golf, make sure you guys go check out their awesome membership options and go Cox. Welcome to TravelingCountryClub.com, your modern golf club experience. Hey folks, this is Michael Manis, former Gamecock golfer, inviting you to play more golf with a membership to TravelingCountryClub.com. With over 40 courses across the Carolinas, our membership provides you with an affordable way to enjoy a club-like golf experience. From the mountains to the coast, we offer golf courses that will challenge all types of golfers, no matter your handicap level or level of play. Plus, we offer unique membership benefits not seen anywhere else as part of Traveling Country Club. In July, we're excited to bring you the third annual Plunder on Polly's two-day golf tournament with rounds played at Caledonia and True Blue Golf Courses in the heart of Polly's Island. Head to TravelingCountryClub.com to register for that event. And it is not exclusive to TCC members, but to become one, you can sign up and bring to life your golf game. Tee it up with Traveling Country Club, TravelingCountryClub.com, TravelingCountryClub.com, proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. This is Zachary Davis from Carolina Hoops, and you're watching the show with JB, JC, and Phil. Go Cox. Welcome back, everybody, to Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Kicking off the second hour of the show here. Just sitting here. I just saw the breaking news about Will Wade uh, receiving a two-year show-cause penalty for recruiting and a 10-game suspension per the uh, IRP's ruling, which – so the, so for those wondering what a show-cause penalty is, that he won't be able to – he just got hired, right? Who hired him? Um, um, hold on. He is at McNeese. Uh, McNeese State, right. So he mm-hmm. cannot recruit unless I'm missing language somewhere. He can't recruit for two years, and he'll be suspended for the first ten games of the season, which he could care less about that. All he wanted was a job and to get paid. But he cannot recruit for two years. Uh, so if he gets popped, he'll be, you know, they can basically expel him from college basketball. Um LSU's football program and basketball programs are on three years probation. They've already previously self-imposed penalties. Probation in this age? Are you kidding me? Nobody cares about I mean, probation, so whatever. Really? I mean, come on. <laughs> Is it preventing them from postseason play? I don't think so, right? No, it's not doing <laughs> yeah, anything. No. <laughs> yeah, that's nothing. I mean, LSU's like, oh, oh, wow. No one will even know down there. Just won't even make the papers. Yeah, right. I mean, they don't <laughs> like, but the two year show calls on Will Wade for recruiting is interesting. I don't, mm, I don't think I've seen that. And if I have, I really need to go dig it up. But 
Hey, you want to talk about a misleading headline here? Hold on. I was just like, I'm browsing the internet, right? So this is from lsusports.net. Coach Will Wade's five-year tenure at LSU will be noted for consistent winning and a return to interest in the basketball program at LSU. Jeez, bury the lead, why don't you? remember. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Wow. All right. Well, um, yeah, that's – I don't think that's what he's going to be remembered for. (laughs) No, probably not. At all. Like, that is – that's embarrassing, to be honest with you. Um, Yeah, so, anyways, you know, hats off to Will Wade for cheating your way uh, into more money. And, I mean, that's the thing is you don't have a system that will deter this anymore. You Well, I don't even know if you ever did, but you certainly don't now. I mean, Will Wade was caught on a wiretap talking about paying players. Yeah, before it was <laughs> like, okay. Like, you can't – <laughs> I mean, if if that if that isn't enough, what is enough? Does he have to like literally kill somebody? Does he have to actually murder, commit murder? Like, I mean, he, he uh, yeah. you were talking about breaking the no the big no no rules in college athletics. The dude's caught on a wiretap by the FBI, and we're talking. Well, yeah, you know, I tell you what, you fire him. Okay, we'll fire him. All right. Well, you know what, we're gonna do our investigation. 10 games, 10 games. So clearly some, somebody knew something because when he got hired at McNeese state, it was a big, what are, what are, what are we doing here? Why, why, why is anybody going to hire this guy? We don't even know if he can coach. Somebody knew he could coach and they just needed to wait until the ruling finally came out and they got it. And, uh, He's yeah, good. wasn't quite so bad that you couldn't bring him on, but yeah, way to go, McNeese. Yeah, tell me you're a basketball school without telling me you're a basketball school. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll hire Will Wade. Yeah, that's okay. We, yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, I mean, just just unbelievable. So, uh, you know, whatever. There you go. The NCAA. You wonder what their purpose is at times, and so do I. Good stuff uh, with yeah. uh, with Pat Demarco, uh, and um, he will. Well, let's just, as we get closer and into football season, I think that um, I think that our very large audience will be very, very happy with uh, with a lot of our coverage around here, and that will include Pat DeMarco. So um, get used to it, and we will talk ball with him, and he's pretty good at it. And um, – one of the best football minds that I know, and he's right in the thick of it with anybody and everybody out there in the college football world. He's been offered a gazillion jobs, so he when he speaks, he's he knows what he's doing and talking about. So really happy to have him on today, and I and I think it's um I think it's interesting too, Phil, and I and I want to make sure we get to some of these expansion things in just a little bit as well. But I think it's interesting too when you. When you think about the fact that you have a quote unquote NFL guy running your offense and you've got an NFL quarterback running your offense, it, it helps, it helps alleviate some of the, um, angst, pressure, whatever it may be in the fact that you have a better understanding between the two guys that matter the most 
of how to be successful. And I think when he was explaining, you know, last year versus this year with, with Spencer. So you've got a, you have a change at coordinator. And a lot of times when, when a change of coordinator happens, it, there's a, there's a major learning curve, right? Yeah. Uh, unless you, you know, just promote a guy from within the system or something like that. But you, you went from Marcus Satterfield to Dowell Loggins, who spent, you know, over a decade calling plays in the league, tight ends coach at Arkansas, comes to South Carolina, you would think that there's going to be a major learning curve there. And what I took out of that, and, and I'll, I'll add a little bit to this because Pat and I do talk often, and, and, um, and we do, I do get a lot of additional information, uh, not just from him, but from multiple guys on that staff, one who's right in the thick of it. Um, by virtue of slowing things down, and minimizing the maximum output, if that makes sense, it has allowed Spencer to catch up. And I'm talking about from a mentality standpoint. And and so he has not only been able to get to where he needs to be to be an elite-level quarterback, but now he is becoming the eyes of the offensive coordinator. And when you have that, right, You've got something special. And, I mean, how many times have we heard it from Alabama? I mean, they change coordinators consistently. Coach Saban generally knows what he wants. But they have elite quarterbacks down there, and and we've heard Sark describe it. We've heard Lane Kiffin describe it. We've heard all these guys who've run the offense in Tuscaloosa. And I'm not comparing the two. That's not what I'm saying. I'm I'm, I'm talking specifics here, coordinator-quarterback relationship, that – well, he's our eyes and ears out there, and and we'll call play, and he'll see it differently, and he can make the change. And you started to see that late in the year last year with, with Spencer um, when they kind of, quote-unquote, dumbed it down. Remember, that was a very popular phrase for a while. Yeah. And um, now with the change at coordinator, it has really helped him to kind of not only be the field general, but – Maybe where they could be deficient from time to time. Maybe maybe it's a player, maybe it's a matchup, maybe it's a whatever it may be. He's able to think lockstep with his offensive coordinator. Okay, what can we do to navigate around this situation here in this game, in this series, in this play? And and I don't uh, I don't know what you think, Phil. I, I don't know outside of Connor. I'm not sure I've ever seen that at South Carolina. Not that I can recall right offhand. I mean, you got to figure, you know, I don't know. Spencer, I think, made a really good decision in coming back. Oh. Um, I mean, oh. you know, <laughs> it's like yeah, he, could have every, he had every ability to go. I mean, he would have been drafted, I think. He'd been late round, but he wouldn't have been, you know, top first round, which that takes a lot of pressure off a guy going into the league, but. I think this one year he's going to have with Coach Loggins is going to really just set him up to uh, to really succeed in the future. Yeah, exactly. Somebody said something here. Um, uh, Craig mentioned that you know the three three to five passes a game that you kind of wonder, you yeah. know, what's going on there, and and and. You know, so I look, I've never been a college quarterback, you know, so um, 
I try to take whatever information is given to me and learn, listen to guys like Pat DeMarco um, and, and others, of course, and use my eyes and try to figure out what's, what's going on instead of throwing remotes at TVs and yelling <laughs> expletives at 18-year-olds from the stands and stuff like that. Um, and, and I think that one I, – I try to correlate it with anything I've done in my life. I was a catcher, so there's not a ton to correlate there. But I do know this. When you're overly confident in yourself, in, in your ability – if you play baseball, you know, if I had a ball in the dirt that maybe skipped on me for a little bit and a guy danced off first a little bit too much and I went out and got it and was on the wrong foot and thrown from the wrong angle, I might try to flip one down there and see if I can't grab him while he's not paying attention, pick him off, right? That's a very unorthodox, out-of-the-box play. Nobody's really going to do it unless you're pretty good. When So when you talk about quarterbacks, a guy like Rattler, this guy's got a – he probably has as much confidence in his own ability as any quarterback in college football. Would you agree with that? Just oh, based yeah. on what we've seen in the last four years? I mean, you can tell. He's right. got that 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 look, that look perfect level of YOLO in him that a good yeah. quarterback needs. That's right. You know? Yeah. yeah. Hey. <laughs> hey, you know, the, the... – All right. So, <laughs> right. when you have that, when you have that, you're probably going to try some things sometimes that, that most folks won't. And some of it's going to work out. But when it doesn't work out, it ain't going to look good. Or people are going to be going, what are you doing? Well, in his mind, he can get it there. He could do it. You know, he's probably done it before, and it, and it worked out. But he just didn't happen to see this guy. Or the guy that picked it off might be a first-rounder versus the guy that didn't pick yeah, right. it off. You know, versus so like your the, walk on uh, practice squad guy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you know, when you take that mentality, like uh, one of the things that uh, you know, I had to jump off early yesterday to deal with my dogs, but um, and I and uh, Sedarius Hutcherson's uh, interview with y'all was just magnificent, and um, I heard y'all have a conversation about Coach Muschamp afterwards, and I know there's a lot of vitriol out there for Coach Muschamp. But one of the things that he always said that I really appreciated, not only in football but in life, is I would – it's really a lot better to be able to say, whoa, than giddy up. You remember when he used to say that? I'd much Mm -hmm. rather say, whoa, than giddy up. And I agree with him. Um, You know, I don't want to have to push my kids to do something. I'd rather them be like, Dad, let's go jump on the trampoline. Let's go throw the baseball. Let's, Let's go fishing. Let's play cards. Let's build a puzzle. Let's do this. I, I want them to want it. Whatever it is that they want, I want them to want it. Um, and I don't want to have to get, pick them up and go, you can't watch a movie anymore. You've, that's enough. You know, you can't just sit here. So from a football standpoint, and Coach Muschamp would say that, you, you, that told me that they had a bunch of kids, or the, at least the ones he was referencing when he would say stuff like that. Yeah. That it was like, hey, look, man, I'm I'm just <laughs> I'm just gonna be balls to the wall, and you can't slow me down, and um, and that that's that's I think what also gives you a we well, got a talent like you can't just have a quarterback. I could do it, coach. 
Yeah, no, you can't. You're you're Brucey from the longest yard. You're not a quarterback. All right. But but Spencer is a talented guy and he is a he is a he is a woe guy. You know, you do have to slow him down. And I think when you get that with Coach Loggins, and remember, one of the reasons that Dowell Loggins is here is because of Spencer Rattler. You know, hat tip to Shane Beamer for going, we we brought in a guy who not only is going to be good at what he does but who is really going to energize my quarterback and get him where I need to get him. So when you calm that down, like what Craig was referencing a couple of minutes ago, that three to five passes a game, and you've got the right guy that's there to be able to calm that down. Wow. You know, things start happening. And maybe that three to five passes, you're still making that throws, but it's not to the guy that it was last year. It's to the other guy. It's to this check down. It's to the third guy. It's, you know, you maybe you're just yeah. tossing it out of bounds and living to play another day. I don't know. But what I'm saying is to Craig, he was, I think he makes a really good point there. Um, he is a guy who can steer the whole ship and be steered by another captain in Dowell Loggins, but they're thinking lockstep. And when you do that, you can slow your offense down and it's going to move faster and you're going to score points and you're going to win ball games. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think, you know, it's it's only going to benefit him having, you know, because that's the, here's the the biggest difference between Loggins and Satterfield when it comes to their NFL experience. Satterfield had a cup of coffee under Matt Rule at Carolina, what, one season? <laughs> was it yeah. two? Assistant, uh, assistant yeah, offensive assistant line coach offensive one year in the NFL. Yeah. Yeah. Dow Loggins has been in there for 20 years. Has watched the game evolved yeah. <laughs> at the highest level, and yeah. and has dealt with some of the highest talent coming out, and understands you know what these guys need, um, and I mean you know I'm I'm excited to see the product on the field, the way he talks, we're all you know feeling really good about it because he's saying the right things that were I don't think you know coincidental that it's the things we've been complaining about for what we've seen for the past couple of seasons. But yeah, for him, I think he's probably the best qualified of anybody that we've talked to uh, or talked about in regard to that offensive coordinator search um, to speak directly to what you say, you know, Jamie is that he's just going to, you know, he knows how to get those last few three to five balls out of him uh, better than anybody or is more equipped to. Not saying he can do it, you know. Obviously, we're going to have to see what happens on the field, but, um, I, you know, I mean, there's a reason why he was brought in. There was a reason why he said, you know, the 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 biggest recruiter or the biggest recruit that he's had since his wife was Spencer Rattler at the beginning of this process to get him to stay at South Carolina. Yeah, <laughs> which I loved because that was it. That's exactly it. You just want to you want him to stay one more year. I I talked to Xavier Leggett about receiving the ball from Spencer Rattler. And and I asked him, I said, you as a wide receiver, this is an off-the-record conversation that – or uh, no, not off-the-record, off-to-the-side conversation. And I said, when you're – when y'all are, you know, running drills, running routes out there, kind of screwing around, what, uh, what do you feel like you have to do or do you feel like you have to keep up with him? No disrespect to anybody else or any other quarterbacks on that roster. That's not what I'm saying. I'm speaking directly to Spencer Rattler because I just feel like he's a guy who who has that NFL clock in his head. 
the old Steve Spurrier, throw it to a place on the field, not a wide receiver. And, um, and you get there. You're a wide receiver. Get there. He's throwing it to that dot on the field. Your job is to go catch it. So, you know, I asked him, I was like, when you're, when y'all are throwing the ball around, running routes, whatever it is, where do you feel like you're deficient or do you, or do you feel like you're in lockstep? And he was like, and he just smiled and shook his head. And he said, he's, he's always a step ahead. And he was like, it's my job to, but, but like we, we, you know, we talk about it. I mean, it's what we do quarterback wide receiver, but he was like, he'll tell me this is what you're going to do. Even in a play, like this is the play and he'll come over and tap me on the hip and say, instead of here, you're going to go there because his hips are here referencing the defensive back and, or the cover guy, whoever that is. And that's how he's been lining up. And so instead of doing this, I want you to do this and I'm going to throw it right here. And you just need to understand that it's going to be in your hip pocket. You're going to have to go down and get it. And then he'll, he'll throw it right there. And and I know I missed a couple of words in, 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 in that paraphrase, but I asked him to kind of explain what he was talking about. And he told me, it was like, it's not like he's just saying, okay, here's the play, da, 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 da. Everybody runs out, runs their routes. He'll see something that nobody else sees. And then he'll tell you, this is what you're going to do. And this is what I'm going to do. And it'll work. And it's all, so when you stop and think about that for a second, it's, it's almost like backyard ball. Yeah. Okay. You and JC are on one side. Hopefully JC's covering me because I'll run right past him. But you and JC are on one side, and and you know me and Pat are on the other side, and it's a guy like Pat who knows a million things more than I know, saying, "All right, this is what I want you to do, but instead of this, I want you to take a quick step here, come inside one more step here, and it's going to be in your left hip pocket." And then he throws it right there, and I'm like, "Why would you do that?" And then he explains it to you. You know, that's old, just backyard-style football. You know, this guy's all over me. I'm going to hit you in the belly button. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, but when you get there, you're there. And, you know, it was described to me as the short amount of time, and this conversation was two months ago, so the short amount of time between when Coach Loggins walked on campus and just three-something months later, that's how much they had already progressed Spencer Rattler's brain as a quarterback from not just understanding the playbook in which we're going to be working in, but understanding the players that are in that playbook and what they can and can't do first coinciding with what you can and can't do. And I, it's, it's when you start thinking about that and then you think about, okay, well, they're probably have some things I need to work through early on in the offensive line. Uh, clearly, you know, it got a boatload of inexperience in the running back room with the exception of Juju McDowell. You know, there's probably going to be some things that need to get ironed out if they want to have a successful, successful offense. And then you start to, when you use some logic, and you're like, this, this guy's a pretty good mechanic. You know, maybe he does know how to fix the car. Yeah, <laughs> yeah just stay out of the way. You could be, <laughs> you could cook. be in line for some, for some neat stuff. So yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I think uh, you know he's going to maximize talent across the board. Uh, 
At least that's what he said he was going to do. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's what they tell me. That's, that's that's what he put out there, which is what we were all like, yay. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go. Oh, Let's do that. What did you say? You said maximize talent across the board. Okay. You mean you're you're not going to bench a guy for that's having right. a good week that's the right. week before? Yeah. Uh, what is uh, this? Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I'm ex- With all that, I know we got to get a break. I'm really excited to see. They're talking about all these big, big stars. I just continue to hear more and more and more and more and more about both Mario Anderson and uh, to carry on Joyner and how they collectively will have multiple roles in the backfield and and just how they've been kind of working through that as well. And um, it's it's pretty neat. So looking forward to seeing that. And and as we get through the summer and early into the fall, we'll we'll make sure that um, we have qualified people on here, much more so than myself or anybody any of the three of us uh, to be able to maybe expand on that a tad bit more. All right, it's 12.33. It is time for a timeout. We're powered by Electric Bikes of Charleston, electricbikescharleston.com. You can buy one from anywhere, anywhere. If you're going to be in the low country or you need to come to the low country to get the best deal, the best service, the best quality, and the and meet some of the most outstanding people you've ever met in the Wilkins family, Electric Bikes Charleston. We're so happy to be partners with them. We've got a T-shirt coming to Michelle as a thank you for what she does for us and so much more. ElectricBikesCharleston.com. Hang tight. We'll be right back. Electric Bikes of Charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels. Magnum, Velotric, Aventon Bikes, and more. And they sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service after the sale. Five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle help you handle the southern heat better, but still get great exercise. Bikes are available all ages and sizes. ElectricBikesCharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant. Electric Bikes of Charleston, powering inside the Gamecocks, the show. If you're in the upstate of South Carolina and are in need of residential real estate services, Cindy Bass Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane is for you. Ask her about the village at Creekside all of her listings in my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina, right there on Daniel Morgan Avenue, married to a lifelong Gamecock fan. And many of our listeners have already bought homes from her and been 100% satisfied with the detail and care she uses. Cindy Searfoss, 864-414-5271. Caldwell Banker Kane in the upstate for your real estate needs. Cool Joe, yeah. And when I'm not eating average jambalaya or celebrating endless summer in Destin, I like to eat pimento cheese straight off the bucket. Mmm. And the only pimento cheese I like to eat is from Nana's Porch. It's award-winning. It'll melt in your mouth. It's good on a cracker. It's good in a bowl. It's good on a piece of bread. Also, don't forget Nana's Porch has a hell of a food truck. It's award-winning as well. And they're here for all of your catering needs. So get online, nanasports.com. It's mm-mm good. Coach O signing off. In the summer, go Tiger. 
The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama. Columbia and go hey man, are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests. Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues and I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. You know what, Phil? Let's ask Stone Blend. Hey JC and Phil, if you want a solution to your IT problems, give Heritage Digital a call. Our boy Matt Odom has a low-cost, one-price solution that will get you running right. Call 843-699-1001 or heritagedigital.com and ask for Matt. He will hook you up today and tell them Stone City. This is Coleman from the Yardcocks. Electric Bikes of Charleston powers inside the Gamecocks, the show. Be sure to check them out online or in Mount Pleasant. Go Gamecocks. Good morning and welcome morning. back. Morning. I'm, I've got confused since the sun hasn't been out, you know, legitimately here in the upstate for about three days. So, hell, I'm lucky to know what time it is or what day is. <laughs> I know we have tools for that. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no. Talk yeah, about I, uh, a precipitous fall from grace, though, here with this whole G.G. Jackson wow. situation. I mean... Like I've I've only seen his name on a projection one time at the very end of the first rat uh, round to the LA Clippers. Well, the latest uh, from ESPN has him actually going to the Hornets at thirty nine. Um, second round via Utah, yeah, in the second round, which would that would be he'd be the uh, the ninth pick in the second round, which. Uh, Hmm. Uh, he'd be the if if this all came true, he'd be the eighth SEC player selected, and um, I mean, I, I look in my very uneducated opinion, he should have he should have returned to school, but uh, he didn't, and so I think I think his uh, long term, I think he'll be okay. I think this kid's going to have a rough go of it for a while, Phil. Um, I, I just think that I think he he's he made a major mistake. Um, I think it's he he's not going to step into the into the NBA. He's he's got to mature, and and he's got to get better as a player. I mean, he he's got the tools; they're there. Um, but I mean, he was he was as hit or miss as you could get throughout the year. You never knew what you're going to get from an attitude standpoint, and I don't know exactly what it is that has faded him. Uh, maybe it's the youth, maybe it's the talent, maybe it's the maybe it's his interviews. I, I have no idea. You, you just really don't ever know. But 39, I mean, you, you better be careful because there's been guys. I, and I, nobody's gonna nobody's gonna not take a chance. Somebody will take a chance on the on this kid. 
But oh, yeah, yeah. there's mm-hmm. been a lot of dudes who've been projected in the top half of the second round who fell even further than that, and some of them didn't even make it onto the board. He will make it onto the board, but it's uh, I don't think this is a problem he saw coming maybe just six months ago. No, no, probably not, probably not. And I know they can do that, you know, dip a toe in kind of deal with the the draft at the on at the basketball level. But I think he's too far gone at this point. Like he can't come back, can he? He's he's pulled the trigger and said this draft or bust, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, because I know they can do it. I think what before they're. I don't know. There's a certain threshold I know that they can actually consider it and then come back to school if they want to. But I think we've gone beyond. Oh that yeah, no, they're point. they're way yeah. past that. But yeah, mm-hmm. he, I I I don't. I think he made a major mistake. I, I'm yeah. I'm not sure what when when you when hindsight hindsight is generally twenty twenty. Um. I. I I don't know what he really thought he was gaining by going anyways. But basketball's different from you know baseball. Like you you lose, okay, you lose leverage in baseball. When you lose leverage, <laughs> you go where they where they tell you to go. All right, you don't have to worry about that in basketball. So had he come back, he wasn't going to get worse. And if he if he thought he was going to get worse and thought, well, I just need to take the money, well, they were going to figure that out in the combine and everything else, yeah. all these other private workouts. So I, I don't really – I think he got bad advice. I just think he got bad advice. I think he's been getting bad advice for a while. Bill, you've heard some of the same things that I've heard, um, uh, you know, deep behind the scenes. I, I think Gigi Jackson's a good kid. I hope the absolute best for him. He played at the University of South Carolina. Anybody that puts the uniform on, as the fan side of me is always going to say thank you and best of luck. Absolutely. Pulling for you. Um, I think he got bad advice, and I think he's been getting it for a long time. Yeah. And um, and this kid, I just I feel like the next couple of years is going to be a rough road for him. So, yeah, hope it's, 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 it's going to be a learning experience for him for sure. I mean, let's just hope it's not that rough, but yeah. And I think you hit it when you said, you know, his attitude and things like that. I think that was one of the biggest things and and, and it's not a knock against him. I think it's, you know, cause he's fighting maturity too. I mean, he moved up a year in high school to come to South Carolina uh, yep. and then yeah, turned 18 during the season. So it's like, man, and I'm like Bink here. Yeah. I was a, Flipping idiot at eighteen too. I didn't know anything. <laughs> Although you think you know it all. <laughs> yeah, well, you got that right. Yeah, look, you know, I, I was too. I mean, it, it, there's there's no question. And I mean, uh, but uh, you know, times times are a little different. I mean, these guys. I don't. I, I'm not calling G. That's not what I'm saying. I don't even think that Gigi made the decision. I. I yeah. I I, I just. There's more to the story, and we've heard bits and pieces. Um, I a lot of the things I've heard privately, I can't even say because I, I know how things spread like wildfire, and I ain't gonna be responsible for saying any of them. <laughs> so, um, you know, but you know, if you ask around enough, you you start to find out. You know, I so I I don't know. I I hope the best for him. I I just don't. 
I, I just see the next couple of years being a really, really difficult uh, time for him. And, you know, Clint, Clint mentioned our program got little to no benefit from getting GG. I mean, I, I don't know if that is or isn't true. Um, you know, if you look at last year's record, I don't even know. We could make this argument for a while. I'm not saying he's, I'm not saying you're wrong because you might be right. I don't know. Um, there could be a kid out there that decided he wanted to come here simply because of GG. We just don't know that until he says it publicly. Um, could they have won less games last year without GG Jackson? Absolutely. I'll be honest, though. You could kind of also make the argument they could have won more games without him. I mean, I, I just felt like they played better a lot of the times he wasn't in the game. There was, yeah. When he was not on the court, there were, you know, definitely some good signs to, to what they were doing, you know. And I don't know if that was, you know, Coach Paris kind of trying to, to force, you know, the square peg in a round hole with Gigi. I mean, I, I mean, I don't know anything specifically that would say that was the case, but um, it just – it didn't pan out like everybody had planned. That's no, obvious. I- it, it, it kind of reminded me of what happened to Georgia a few years back. You know, of course, that kid ended up going number one. Anthony uh, Anthony Edwards. Edwards, yeah, ended up going number one overall. But, um, I mean, they were terrible. And they had the best player in the country. I mean, again, I, I think there's a lot of, like, for the sake of the conversation, and none of it matters anymore, but there's a lot of arguments to be made. Well, they, were, they wouldn't have won near as many games without Gigi Jackson. If somebody makes that argument, I'm never going to look them in the face and say, I – I disagree because I, I don't know that I could disagree with that. But at the same time, if somebody else makes an argument and says, they actually might have won more games without him, I don't think I could disagree with that either. No. So, yeah. Both points are valid. <laughs> yeah, I think I think everybody – I mean, it's just really all a matter of opinion. And, you know, when you go back and look last year, there were certainly games that they could not have won without Gigi Jackson. There were certainly games that they played better without him. So, you know, it's, it's all moot now, and you know, they, they've signed – a bunch of new kids, and I and I think that they're working towards a, a much more cohesive unit as a basketball program. But um, yeah, anyways, hats off to him, and who knows? Maybe he, uh, maybe he, maybe he goes higher than everybody thinks tonight. Maybe somebody takes a flyer on him. I hope they do. I really do. I hope Gigi Jackson goes as high as he possibly can. That's good for him, and it's good for the University of South Carolina. Um, when he is called, he will be the first name selected from the Gamecock basketball program since. Sendarius Thornwell, who went 48th overall in the 2017 NBA draft, but his draft rights were traded to the L.A. Clippers. The Bucks were who called his name. So we'll see what happens there. All right, uh, we'll take our final timeout of the afternoon. We are painted garnet and black by a couple of painters. Lemmepaintsomething.com. I know a lot of you will, will start to do the projects during the summer. Maybe it's uh, staining the fence. Maybe it's staining the porch. Maybe you've got a cabin somewhere that needs to be stained. Maybe it's actual paint, you know, indoors, outdoors, whatever it may be. Maybe you want to paint your neighbor's cat. <laughs> Anything. Anything that could be painted. If you're in South Carolina or in Georgia, from border to border. I mean, you could be in Savannah. You could be in Blue Ridge, Georgia. You could be in Greenville. You could be in Charleston. Anywhere in the state of South Carolina or the peach state of Georgia, let me paint something.com. A couple of painters, LLC owned by our friends and Gamecock fans, the still family.
When we return, expansion? Out of the ACC? To the Big Ten or the SEC? We'll talk about it on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. A new home. Kevin O'Connell with Union Home Mortgage is a local mortgage expert and Gamecocks fan servicing North and South Carolina. Whether you're buying a home, building your dream home with new construction, or turning your equity into cash, UHM's world-class service will ensure you find the perfect mortgage to achieve your home ownership goals. Call Kevin at 803-906-0244 or visit UHM.com today. Union Home Mortgage is an equal housing lender. NMLS. LS two 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 nine L O N M L S one seven seven two one eight two. Welcome home. That's what the Gamecocks say, and so does the Barndo Company, where they can build your dream home starting as low as one hundred sixty dollars per square foot. If you live in the Carolinas, Georgia, or Tennessee, their turnkey process takes just four to six months on average, and can be custom designed by size and details. Make your dream a reality. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barndo Company. Gamecock. Owned and operated. What's up, Gamecock fans? This is Ethan Petrie from Land Lakes, Florida. And you are listening to the show with JB, JC, and Phil. Go Cox. On deep drive to left. Morgan looks up and it is gone. Go two is sent to center, and this one is going to be long gone. Shot the opposite field from Casas, and it's gone. 2-0. That's driven deep to left. Langford looks up, and it's gone. Welcome back, everybody. Final segment of this Thursday installment of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Conference talk is dominating everything these days. It is. It's talking season this and the other. By the way, I want want to make sure I uh, mention this one more time. I won't be here tomorrow. JC and Phil will steer the ship tomorrow. I'll be on the golf course, as you probably heard Pat and I talking about earlier. Um, generally I don't skip shows to play golf, but when you're invited to play at the country club of Charleston, you gotta go. Um, so hopefully the weather gods, the golf gods, they'll keep the rain somewhere, anywhere, but there. Um, so, so we can play in the morning and smoke can continue to talk S H I T to me about taking my money when we're on the actual same team. (laughs) Makes no sense. I was like, dude, you're not going to take my money. I'm on your, t- you, you and I are riding in the cart together, you moron. <laughs> Anyways. All right. Still um, take your money. I can hear him now, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 I ain't riding with you. I'm taking your money. I said, that's right. Justin, you can't take my money. We're on the same team. You're not listening. So, anyways. Um, all right. Uh, so, Outkick puts out a column just a few days ago that the Big Ten and the SEC could potentially, in their efforts to expand in the future, and again, this will all be hush-hush, and if you ask Greg Sankey, he's not going to give you a straight answer. No, we're fine. We're not. We're, why? Why would we do that? We have the best brands of college football. You, you've heard it. And, he, and I'm not saying he's lying. I don't think they're looking to expand. But 
<laughs> commissioners are a lot like ADs. You always have to have a plan. And yeah. um, there's there's one. We just don't know what it is. So because the we don't know what's going to happen with the ACC. That's the thing. We don't know what's going to happen with the ACC. Regardless of what contracts are in place, Phil, over the years, we have all found when TV money gets involved, things can change pretty quickly. And um, and so who knows what what could be. But the outkick column essentially has a tug of war down the road between the Big Ten and the SEC fighting over North Carolina and Virginia. Not the states. This isn't the Civil War. It's a tug of war fighting over the schools, the University of Virginia and the University of North Carolina. Can I just be the first to wave my hand and say, I don't like it. (laughs) (laughs) Go to the Big Ten if that's where you want to go. Go to the Big Ten. (laughs) I don't like it. I I don't like it. I don't think they fit with the kind of roughneck, blue-collar style of the SEC. Um. If it was me, and I don't want Florida State either, I, I'd much rather see NC State and work it out where you just offer up a, some type of trade and send Missouri off to the Big Big Ten <laughs> or Big 12 and bring West Virginia into the SEC. Yeah. Yeah, I because like that. I'm a West Virginia guy. I like West Virginia. I want to go up there and burn a couch. Like yeah. I want, I want to go to the mountain roads of West Virginia. And old Morgantown, I hear is you know heck of a place to <laughs> to visit after a win or a loss. No, yeah. I, you you mentioned it though. You know, Civil War, JB. I think that here's the the next step in conference expansion. And I know I've said it. JC said it. You've probably said it. Is um, it's all about eyes on screens now. I mean, you're not you're not building a brand when you're talking about the SEC and Big Ten uh, by increasing any you know the number of schools. It's like you're not making the SEC better at this point by adding schools. You're adding territory so that you now gain more leverage in these talks, you know, and contracts with television deals and things of that nature. I mean, that's what it all is. Unfortunately. Uh, because you're going to dilute some of the product at this point just by, you know, snatching up territories. And that's what I'm worried about is that the, this next phase of expansion isn't going to, we're not going to be able to look at it like Texas and Oklahoma and be like, oh, yeah, that's that's good for the conference. You know, it expands territory as well as adds worthwhile brands to uh, the lineup. I, I mean, you know, I mean, North Carolina, yeah, it's a great brand virginia is well virginia and then <laughs> but you're, you're getting the virginia eyes the north carolina eyes but i like your nc state i don't mind north carolina though that bad because it no. renews the old rivalry from the old Screw acc them. days uh, yeah but no. nah, nah. we need it's, people that actually stand up and cheer for their teams i wish virginia is, burns couches <laughs> I mean, come on! Like they fit now that's right passion. in. Like, yeah, that's right. They fit right in. This is. I mean, think about it. Like you got something everywhere. You get barked at when you go to Athens. You you, you when you go to Tennessee, you smoke some meth. No, I'm just kidding. Um, 
I mean, but there, there's something. North Carolina didn't bring anything. But now, now, uh, uh, on a serious note, they they do from there. There is something called other than football. That is what North Carolina brings. They bring the basketball brand to the SEC, uh, which, by the way, has an incredible basketball brand. But um, and 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 to your point, Phil, like that is what has made them valuable. That is also what has made Virginia valuable. North Carolina football. There is value in that. There is no value in Virginia football. Um, and and then you've got all the other sports. I mean, there's th- those schools have they really do. They they have a elite women's sports. They have elite they have elite sports. And there's there's athletics. There's no question. Oh, yeah. But you know, it, it, and, and so you have to have, you have to have the big picture conversation to have a serious conversation. But if you want to have a playful conversation, which is really more what I'm interested in doing, I don't want either one of those jackasses. Like, (laughs) this league deserves more. They deserve great road trips. They deserve get up the road and go to West Virginia and watch watch them sing country roads and and burn the couches and and all that stuff. I mentioned meth. Again, kind of fits right in with Tennessee and all that. Again, I'm just being playful here. It, it, NC State has that, but there are also though, Phil. There, there are also, um, there are also certain brands that the SEC uh, will, they won't. Okay, let me let me let me put this differently here. West Virginia is not a nationwide brand. All right, but let's be serious. Neither South Carolina, okay, they're not. No, nor is Mississippi State. Like, if Mississippi State was not in the SEC, there would not be a handful of people or a ton of people banging the door down to go grab Mississippi State. Okay, if South Carolina wasn't already in the SEC, and I'm a Gamecock. There just wouldn't be a ton of people beating the door down to go get South Carolina. This conversation over the years have rolled in, has rolled into big brands. We can only expand if it brings in big brands. Well, that's not true. Texas and Oklahoma are big brands. How big of a brand was Missouri when they brought them in? How big of a brand was Arkansas when they brought them in? How big of a brand was South Carolina? No, they fit the footprint, right? So – but you're you've got your league now to a spot where unless you're really idiotic about it, you know, and you go out and you decide that you're gonna bring Jacksonville State into the SEC and water it down, then you could go get programs, good ones, athletic departments that actually fit the footprint. NC State, West Virginia, uh Craig mentioned Blacksburg. I would love to see Virginia Tech. In the SEC, um, they fit the footprint, and they are brands that will add value to the league, and the league will add value to their brand because you can make an argument. I mean, the league has absolutely added value to the brand of the Gamecocks, Mississippi State, Arkansas, freaking Missouri. For God's sakes, so, I mean, we're talking about Missouri. Missouri. If, Va- <laughs> if Vanderbilt wasn't already in the SEC, how many? Honestly, everybody raise your hand and say, "Oh, well, we need to go get Vandy." None of you. Nobody be saying that. I wouldn't say you would. Nobody be saying that. No. 
So it's not necessarily always about the biggest brand, although they have gone gone and done that with Oklahoma and Texas. It is also still about the footprint. Um, so uh, with that said, though, it, within that footprint, it's just got to be teams that fit. And North Carolina and Virginia don't. And NC State and West Virginia do. That's right. Or Vate. But take Virginia Tech. Tennessee. I'm bringing in West Virginia and uh, Kansas. There you go. There's somebody from Missouri. There's your basketball. Kansas, you know, and then you there, and then you shore up basketball. I just don't like that. I don't like I know, Kansas yeah. thing. I want to still be able to drive, man. Like West right. Virginia is a haul, but I ain't driving to Kansas. No, no. <laughs> like that's the guy. Sixteen hours to Norman from uh, from well, William Price. So we got that coming up. So yeah, yeah. I, I'm not. Well, I ain't driving there either. I'm fine. No. But that's where. The, that's where the guy and Joe Dirt's from. I'm from New York. I mean Kansas. <laughs> Remember that? <laughs> from New York. I mean Kansas. I'm from New York. Right. Yeah. I mean Kansas. Man, oh, guys. By the way, um, <laughs> if any of you have a quick uh, show, a like TV show recommendation, everybody, before we get out of here, if any of you have the Apple TV app, the last thing he told me with Jennifer Garner, it's a Seven episode series. They're all between about 30, I think 37, 38 minutes and 45 minutes long. Great, great series. Great series. Check it out. You'll really like it. The last thing he told me on Apple TV. All right. um, Thanks to Pat DeMarco. We hope you all enjoyed talking ball with PD, the other PD, Pat DeMarco, not the one that sings. He'll be back in soon as well. Thanks to Phil, as always. Good to see all of you and hear from all of you. Um, I'll be back on Monday. Phil will be back tomorrow because he's the hardest working guy in sports media. And um, if if uh, all goes well, JC will be back tomorrow. No, he will be back tomorrow. No. <laughs> and um, we certainly hope that you'll spend your Friday with us here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show from the Sinorama Studios and built by the Barndoe Co.